Great. Um, good to see everyone tonight. Thank you very much for coming. Um, so uh, I'm going to be talking, and I'm hoping that this won't sound too cheesy, but we're going to be thinking about Jesus being our treasure, okay, which sounds all a bit weird and a bit awkward, but hopefully it all makes sense. Um, so when I was growing up, my parents um, used to get together with another set of family friends, and there'd be eight of us children and four parents. <clears throat> And um, often, I think, to stop us like sitting around and doing stuff, my, um, the four parents used to gather together and come up with treasure hunts and codes and stuff like this. And sometimes it was um, Captain Haddock sending messages to my brother, who was technically Tintin, and sometimes the father was Captain Haddock, and sometimes he wasn't, and it was all really crazy. Um, but there was a particular time when we were in Scotland, and it was my sister's birthday, and we got given this kind of treasure hunt to do, and it was absolutely incredible. Um, we would, uh, like, the prizes often included, it, like, it would often go over a week, and the prizes often included, like, an ice cream. Like, it was never that exciting, but there was always something to look forward to, and so we were like, yes, this is amazing. It's a, um, my sister's birthday, we're going to have this incredible treasure hunt. Um, we walked around this massive lake. Um, it was actually just a fishing pond, so it wasn't that big. But as a 10-year-old, I'm like, this is huge. Um, some of us, us older kids, I was the oldest, us, us older kids would go off. We were sent right to the back of the lake. This is amazing, by ourselves, without any parents. Fantastic. The younger kids were like told to go and find the geese or something. I don't really know. Anyway, um, I was asking my friends about this yesterday, about what actually happened. None of us can really remember. Although we do know that there, apparently there was a point where we went and had to go um, and get some Smarties. And on the lids of Smarties, they used to have letters. And the letters spelt out something. We are still totally unaware of how our parents made that happen. Um, but anyway, it came to this point where there was, this, there was these collecting these different parts for this treasure hunt, different parts to a map. Um, and all of them kind of came together and we had to stick this map together and work out what the code was and what the ultimate prize was. Um, we had to head to somebody, um, our, one of the parents, how, um, where they were staying and ask for frog spawn. And ultimately, right at the end, they gave us these clues that led us to Dumbledore's house. Um, not really Dumbledore, who was just the owner of the lake, was Dumbledore at the time. And we had to go to his house, and it was the most amazing treasure that we had at the end. It was a huge birthday cake. It was absolutely incredible. And as a 10-year-old, having been sent off probably for quite a few hours, I think they would have made this last, um, to come back and find this amazing treasure, uh, this amazing um, chocolate cake. And we still talk about this treasure hunt as adults. I don't want to say how old we all are now, but you know, as adults, we now say, do you remember that time that we were given this treasure hunt and we came up with this incredible cake at the end of it? And we still also talk about how great the cake was. See, if we've been here the last few weeks, or if you've been watching online the first, last few weeks, you see that the, Paul has been writing this letter to Colossae, Colossi, Coloss, us? I don't, we know, nobody, I think, knows exactly how it's said, but uh, Paul is writing this letter to the uh, people of Colossae from prison. He never even started the church. He'd never really met the people of Colossae, but he does know about them from his co-worker Epaphras. And he'd updated him, uh, Papas had updated Paul on how well the Colossians had been doing and the cultural pressures that they'd been facing. So Paul is writing to encourage the people of uh, Colossae, as he did with many other churches. 
he really focuses on reminding uh, the, the Colossians about who Christ is. He is the source of truth and life. Christ is the peacemaker. He's the head of the church. Christ is resurrected. Christ brings hope and wisdom and energy. Christ unites us. Paul is writing this treasure map. And he's giving these clues and blatant answers, nothing even in code. And he's weaving in this information. And the answer to it all, the massive cross, the massive X that marks the spot, that marks the treasure, that's Jesus. I got a chocolate cake. The, the letter that Paul is writing, this treasure map that Paul is writing, the treasure is Jesus. It's not just an X, it's the cross that marks the spot. And for some of us here, maybe that's where you've reached. Maybe you've been w- reading the first part of Colossians and you're like, great, I understand. Jesus, fabulous. And, that, and that's fantastic. And actually, the Colossians letter could have finished there because that's really what's been happening the last couple of weeks is Paul's been writing this treasure map. This is where we are. This is where where we're getting to, the cross where Jesus is, the treasure. We know the answer. This is fantastic. But where we get to today is we find in, in verses six and seven, it talks about this. It says, so then, just as you've received Jesus Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. You've met him. This is great. Recognizing that Jesus Christ is Lord, recognizing him as our treasure, continue to live in him. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. You see, Paul knows that it isn't the end of the story, and the people of Colossae don't just have this treasure map. Actually, they've got a bit of a warning from Paul. They're worried, or Paul is worried, that um, other people might want to distract the Colossians from the treasure. People of Colossae are in danger. They're being deceived by others around them. The Colossians church is actually being told that Jesus maybe just is some kind of other random deity. He, maybe he's this Greek or Roman god. Maybe, he's, um, maybe he isn't even a god. Maybe he's just a demigod or some kind of divine, nice, good human being. The people of Colossae have been told that actually he isn't really Lord of the world. And they're deficient. They need much more than who Jesus is. How could they ever think that he is enough? Jesus could never complete them. And that's what they're being told. And that's what Paul is worried about. The four teachers there were confusing them, where they were distracting them from that incredible treasure that is Jesus. And so Paul wanted to set the record straight. You know, sometimes maybe we think this, if only I got this extra thing, I would be complete. If I had a bigger house, an actual house, maybe I didn't just have to rent, maybe I owned a house, maybe I had a larger salary or got that first at my university degree. I had that longer holiday, I was married, I had children, I had grandchildren. What else do we get told or do we want to make our lives complete? We live in this world where we are constantly being told that we need more. And not even material things. We are constantly being told of how we can better our lives. How can we make living easier? What attitude should I have? What decisions should I make? What friends should I have? What should I give up? What should I take up? Where should I live? So when I did a little, I went down a little bit of a rabbit warren, and um, I, was, I asked the question on Google, other 
platforms are available. Um, in fact, actually, I didn't use Google. I used Ecosia, which is an eco-friendly one. Note, guys. Not because I need to shine my halo, but you should all use it. It's really great. Um, <laughs> that's a complete random tangent. So I, I got, literally just typed in, how can I make my life complete? And these are some of the answers. These are the titles of the, uh, of the pages. Is your life complete? Five tips for living a fulfilled, complete life. Or the four, six full life aspects. I mean, none of these are particularly bad things. How to have a complete life. Choose self-compassion and empathy. You know, it's not a bad thing. Many of these websites were showing really good ways that people could be living a complete life. I then started looking at images on uh, Google, and slash not Google, but lots of flowers and lots of sunset photos. Everybody dies, not everybody lives. Live your life to the fullest. Uh, just Shakira, who said, live your life to the fullest. Brilliant. Three tips for living life to the fullest. Choose being kind over being right. Ask yourself what is really important. Be open to what is. If, if anyone knows what that answer is, great. My life is complete because of you. There was a lot of that as well. I think, though, my favorite happened to be this. Next one. Oh, there we go. A complete life is when you finish a series on Netflix, <laughs> which is quite true. So there we go. This is actually what the world is telling us, isn't it? This, in particular, is what the world is telling us. Come on, finish that, that series on Netflix. Watch this thing. It will be great. Finish watching Happy Valley and your life will be complete. It will be great. But ultimately, we need something else. I don't think we need this up anymore, actually. Um, we need something else. And although these things are not bad, a lot of the suggestions, as I said, are quite good, they still don't complete us because they never fulfill all our desires. As humans, we will always want more. And that's what Paul is speaking into. He is speaking into this culture where people are wanting more and being told that there should be more than Jesus. But don't we see? We have the treasure map and we have the treasure. We already have that treasure. It's already been found. It's already in our hands. And in verse 10 it says, In Christ you have been brought to fullness. This fullness is a recognition of our sin, our desire and choice to follow Jesus. It's our forgiveness and a release from obligation to follow rules and regulations. We are complete in him. We don't need anything else. There is nothing else to strive for because it's already been done. And how do we know this? Well, we know it because Jesus isn't some Roman or Greek God. He isn't just some demigod. He isn't just some nice guy. It's not someone with superpowers. We know it because Jesus is Lord of the world. There is no other ruler or authority that can go over Christ. He has the power over everything, even death. He has supremacy over everything. God has stripped the rulers of their armor and he celebrates his victory. And it says that in verse 15. And where does he do it? He does it at the cross. At the great paradox of the cross where he looks the weakest, but he's demonstrating his strength and power. This is where it all points to, that Jesus is God. He is complete. 
And so we can be complete in him. So we can go and continue to live in him and he in us. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, recognizing him as our treasure, continue to live your lives in him. Remember that you are complete in him, that you do not need anything else, that he is enough. Rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Paul has created this treasure map. He has clearly and obviously marked the treasure, the cross, Jesus. He has reminded the Colossians of the nature of Jesus and how they are complete in him. But he still hasn't finished. The Colossians are still in danger. They're in danger of following examples and other false teachings, which again are reducing the supremacy and need of Jesus. They're following high moral codes. It's generally assumed that the people of Colossae are Gentiles. They used to live in what used to be a massive trading port city. Um, And although they don't have a Jewish upbringing and rules thrust upon them from a young age, as other churches had had that, that Paul was writing to, they're still being encouraged to follow all these regulations. Paul is concerned for the Colossians again. He notes that they feel judged by what they eat and drink, what they're doing on festivals. Some of them have maybe have followed other examples of to be falsely humble and to worship angels. They've missed the point. That way won't be any good. Following the rules never changed the heart. It's simply an illusion, and it definitely won't make you succeed in becoming holy. It will not bring you any closer to God. In verse 20, it says this, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, why, as though you still belong to the world, do you submit to its rules? Jesus had triumphed over these rules and expectations. Jesus came to fulfill the laws. He was the one that they pointed to. The laws never managed to change the hearts, but Jesus did, does, and still can. He freed the Colossians from the obligations to to do what others tell them to. That's the same for us now. The Colossians have lost touch with the head. They've been, become disconnected from Jesus. If they want to belong to God's new world, they need to recognize Jesus as God, as their head, as the one they really need to meet. And they need to be rooted in him, feet planted firmly, really to see him clearly, to stop moving around, but to stand there knowing who God is. They need to stop following these rules and regulations, but be, have this firm foundation in Christ. You know, it's the same for us. Sometimes we can get so caught up in all we do. And you know what? St. Teas is an incredible church. There are so many opportunities to serve, to be involved, to attend three services in one day. But there's a danger that if we do all of this, if we follow certain things, if we get told to live a certain way, that we lose touch with the head with Christ. We could do all the activities in the church, but not grow or learn or encounter Jesus. We need to remember that the regulations are now obsolete. God has stripped them away. The heavy demands are an illusion. God wants to meet us face to face. He wants us to be excited about the treasure about Jesus that we have found.
And sometimes we need to go right back to that time where we first met Jesus, how we felt, what we were excited about, how we were encouraged by our friends and the people around us. We need to strip it right back and enjoy him. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, recognizing who he was as our treasure, continue to live your lives in him. Remember that you are complete in him. You do not need to be anything else. He is enough. Rooted and built up in him. Strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Remove those obligations and bringing back, bring back the excitement of meeting with Jesus face to face. And therefore, overflow with thankfulness. Sometimes, um, and I've been told this in, in the past, Paul can come under kind of criticism for sounding like he writes a bunch of, you must do this, you must do this, you mustn't do this. These rules and expectations. But actually, we can see from his letter how much he points to Jesus. He prays and hopes that the different churches will see Jesus as Lord. That individuals will grow in faith and knowledge of Jesus. And that message is just as relevant today. Jesus is great news. He is the treasure above all other treasures. He completes us. We have no need of anything else. Jesus fulfills all the laws. We are under no obligation, but we can joyfully choose to come to him. Have you recognized Jesus as your treasure? Can you proclaim that you believe Jesus is enough for your life? Are you relieved of your obligations and want to enjoy meeting with him again? We're going to sing together in a minute. We're going to sing Christ is enough. I want to invite the band back up. Um, we're going to sing Christ is enough. And if you uh, believe that is true for you, if you want to say, yes, I recognize Jesus as my treasure. I proclaim he is enough for me and makes me complete. And I want to enjoy meeting him again. Then I'd encourage you to stand and sing. And then as we enjoy communion together, continue in that recognition that Jesus is your treasure. This is what we're celebrating together. As we stand and uh, say the creed together, as we talk about who we believe Jesus is, let's remember that, that he is our treasure. I'm going to uh, say the words of uh, Colossians uh, 2, verse 6 and 7, but from the message version. It says this, My counsel for you is simple and straightforward. Just go ahead with what you've been given. You've received Jesus Christ, the Master, now live him. You're deeply rooted in him. You're well constructed upon him. You know your way around the faith. Now do what you've been taught. School's out. Quit studying the subject and start living it. Let your living spill over into thankfulness. Let's stand and sing, Christ is enough. Mm -hmm.